Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are listening to some music from the Cirque du Soleil soundtrack, Solarium Delirium. Hope your Wednesday is off to a great start. You are listening to Get the Funk Out. And if you're not familiar with my show, I've actually had this show since 2011. I cannot believe it. Every guest is on the show blog that I've ever done. Even through the pandemic, you'll see some Zoom interviews, and uh, everything's on there. And here it is, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. You can learn more about KUCI and our programming on kuci.org. We have public affairs, we have music shows, a very, very eclectic mix of shows. And we are also on social media at KUCI-FM. So standing by to kick off the show is writer, cultural influencer, and former professor Lynn Slater, better known as her viral Instagram handle, Accidental Icon. She brings her characteristic optimism, forward-thinking, impeccable fashion style, and rules-are-meant-to-be-broken philosophy, I love that, to the question of how to be old in a youth-obsessed world in her personal memoir that's coming out, How to Be Old, Lessons in Living Boldly from the Accidental Icon. She's with us right now. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And you're calling in from New York, aren't you? Yes, Peekskill, a little town on the Hudson. Beautiful area. Is it freezing there or is it nice? It's actually raining. Oh, Oh. well, spring's around the corner, so. Yes. Can't wait. So, Lynn, congratulations. This is your first book, isn't it? It's my first non-academic book. Okay. And when did you write, how long have you been writing academic books? Well, I was a professor um, at Fordham University for 20 years. Okay. And during the time I was a professor there, I wrote my academic book. And more recently, you know, I always had a secret desire, though, to be more of a creative writer mm-hmm. because, you know, academic books, it's very strict sure. how you have to write them. And so this has been a very long time deferred dream for me to write a book that, you know, is creative and <clears throat> doesn't have a lot of boundaries on how I write and what I write about. So very exciting. And very freeing. That's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. So how did you uh, become the accidental icon? When did this come about? Well, uh, I started a fashion blog in 2014. And, you know, alongside of being a professor, I've been a social worker for 47 years. Wow. And often, you know, one of the ways I've been able to sustain myself in that profession that deals with a lot of challenging things is I would go outside and pursue some kind of creative sort of class or experience, you know, like taking an improv class that really kind of gave me a break from my work. And so 
2014, I was feeling a little burnt out, and I started taking classes in a fashion school here in New York City. And people kept telling me, you know, you have great style. You should start a blog. And so, you know, originally, again, I always had this impulse to break boundaries Mm -hmm. and to sort of write the way I wanted to write. So I was like, okay, that's a great idea. I know how to write. I know how to research. I can make my own website, Um, you know, and I love wearing clothes sort of not in a fashion way, but in a way that kind of lets me play with a lot of different identities. Mm -hmm. And then I got my partner to take photos of me, just ran, you know, we were out on the street in New York City. It was not glamorous location. Many of the early photos, I have like garbage at my feet. Um, (laughs) That's New York. But it, that's New York. (laughs) But I think there was something about the fact that I was just sort of an ordinary woman, not a celebrity, Mm -hmm. who was just sort of saying, okay, I'm putting myself out there and I don't care if you like me or not. I'm I'm just trying to have fun and yeah. have a big adventure. And uh, what actually happened as a result of it was completely a surprise. I still, to this day, don't know how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone had told me when I wrote that first blog post that, at one point, I would be traveling all over the world and being in fashion advertisements and in in runway shows. I would have said, you know, you're nuts. You're crazy. Exactly. Especially with a, you know, anti-ageist mindset that the world seems to have at times. Yes. Yes. You know? And so I think when I first started, it was very interesting because... Joan Didion appeared in a Celine ad, and I, actually, it wasn't when I first started, it was probably three or four years into it, I appeared in a Valentino eyewear ad. And so it was really one of the first times that sort of major brands were featuring women who weren't supermodels or celebrities in their advertising. Mm -hmm. And I think that gave a lot of young women and a lot of older women a lot of hope that they saw themselves being represented in fashion and that they could continue to love fashion even when they were older. Yes. Um, And so in in that first sweep of it, I think it really was very transgressive and did a lot of good. And I think, you know, over time that changed. Well, it also comes down to a mental health issue. I mean, you have shown people that, you know, aging is inevitable, right? And, And we're all aging at this very moment. And how we embrace life and how we live our life makes all the difference. Yes. It's really at the end of the day because we all age quite differently. And I know because I am uh, a social worker that our position in life, who we are, our social identities, our class, 
all kind of contribute to the experience that we each as individuals have aging in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think the one thing, in spite of all of it, including what society tells you, is that you can control how you think about it, how you think about being old. And there's actually some really wonderful research done by uh, someone called Becca Levy. Oh, yeah, I and know she her. Has, yeah, yeah, she's really found that if you have negative uh, thoughts of being old when you're young and or, you know, sort of getting old, that... It literally will take seven years off the end of your life and put you at risk for cardiovascular disease and other things like that. So yeah. this culture we live in, you know, sort of fueled by the youth and beauty industry is really harming people physically. Yes. And yeah. so not, not just their mental health, which we have lots of documentation about, but this fear of being older is harming you physically, and it's interfering with the good health that you could have when you get older. And it is more effective than buying a cream that, at the end of the day, is not going to do anything for you. Because, as you said eloquently, we're all going to age. It's inevitable. It is. It's a runaway train. But it could be a good yeah. could be a good train ride. Absolutely. And you know, I think what I, I often tell people is that it really is not all that different from other times in your life. Because if you look, you know, in my book I cover a decade of a life. But if I look back at other decades of my life, I always had challenges. I always had opportunities. I always had losses and setbacks, and then I also had victories and celebrations, and that's really the same. It's different because your body is different, but as a woman, my body was different my whole life. It's different when you're pregnant. It's different when you get menopause. Sure. It's different when, when you're in puberty. So, you know, it's, it's the same. Yes. But different. Yes. That's how I describe it. If you're just tuning in, I'm in conversation with Lynn Slater, better known as her viral Instagram handle, Accidental Icon. She has a new book coming out, How to Be Old, and Lessons in Living Boldly. And where I, what I wanted to ask you next is where do you think that your uh, self-confidence and your resilience come from? Where does that emulate? Have you always been like this? Well, I think, I think I've always been a reinventor, which is my response to challenges and opportunities. And so I think from a young age, I kind of realized, you know, there were a lot of things in my life that I couldn't control and that I had to just figure out how I was going to respond to them. Mm-hmm. And so that became sort of, and how to do it creatively. And so whether it was, you know, 
when I was a kid, writing a play about something bad that happened and turning it into something good or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I actually have to laugh when younger people say that, you know, boomers did not have trauma <laughs> in their oh, come on. early life <laughs> because, you know, we were... I, I remember being in grammar school, and it was all about nuclear annihilation after World War II. Wow. You know, we used to have air raid, you know, bomb shelters, and we would have to go under our desks. And I look at my granddaughter now having these active shooter drills, and I'm like, I know how she feels because yeah. I know how it made me feel. Sure. And we had assassinations and just a lot of things that, as a kid, you know, I kind of said I have a choice. I could either be terrified and anxious and afraid of all these things, or or I could sit back and sort of study them and learn how how they came to be. And so that was a That's trait good. that I took with me. Yes. You can't help but learn resilience in New York, though. I don't know. Did you, Where did you grow up as a child? I grew up in Dobbs Ferry, which is a suburb of New York City. Okay. And then for the first time, I lived in New York City. I moved there at the age of 39. And, and, where, and did so, you live, where did you live in Manhattan when you... Was it Manhattan? Actually, I lived in Queens. In Queens. Okay. Um, I, yeah, because I had a daughter and... I wanted to be in a particular kind of neighborhood, mm -hmm. and so we moved to Forest Hills. Okay, I knew where that is. Which, yeah, it was yeah. great. The and then over time, you know, as my life changed, um, myself and my partner are kind of, we call ourselves urban nomads, and we would migrate to different neighborhoods sort of when we felt like we wanted to change. I like so, that. Yeah, we lived in Greenpoint, we lived in Williamsburg, we lived in Long Island City, we lived, you know, ended up in Manhattan for the last 10 years before we moved here on the Upper East Side, East Harlem border. Okay, that's great. New York has so many diverse, wonderful neighborhoods. It's, it's amazing to have that kind of lifestyle to hop around and experience it. Yes. And we were always going to places where that were being reinvented when they were being reinvented. So all of the places that we lived in were being reinvented by creative people. And, you know, that's sort of how we are. We both had very serious day jobs, but we met in a bookbinding workshop oh. and our whole relationship really was much more about supporting each other as creative human beings. Um, and so that was part of why we wanted to be in environments where there were a lot of other creative people. Yeah, that's good for your soul. It is. You know, I want to uh, back up at the beginning of the conversation. You, me you mentioned Becca Levy. The reason I know her is because I was fortunate enough to um, be accepted into the Age Boom Academy, which is Columbia University's um, program 
with in the School of Public Health and the School of Journalism. I don't know if you've heard of it, but I met Becca because this was all online. It was during the pandemic in 2021, and we studied ageism and the effects mm-hmm. of um, isolation, social disconnect, uh, when families are or people are pushed to safety because of COVID, that actually results in health issues and depression and things like that. And um, I love that you are a role model in so many ways because it can be very detrimental um, if you buy into all of the, you know, messages in society about aging and, you know, when are you going to slow down? You're this age. I've heard Mm -hmm. that. I've heard people say that to me. And I'm like, slow down. You know, like I, I enjoy having these new experiences and, and being open and having this nonlinear life. Yes, and having more time, right, to mm-hmm. do it compared to when you were younger and raising families, if that was your choice, mm-hmm. and, you know, making your way in your career and things like that. And I think, you know, at the end of my book, um, it's very interesting because uh, I feel like um, at some point I really lost control of what I wanted to say. And the media and other people started to say it. And one of the things that the media positioned me as was this role model for how, you know, everyone should age um, (laughs) without identifying the privilege that I had, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. in my life that enabled me to do this. And I, I think that one of the things that I've become very interested in and will probably be my next um, creative project is that I think we needed to do a lot of pushing back against ageism with a lot of positive stories. But I think we've kind of gone too far. And so we now have these two polar opposite ways that the media and social media are presenting aging. And so on one hand, you have this decline narrative where you're decrepit and demented and disabled and you're a drain on society and you're ruining it for all the generations behind you. But then on the other hand, right, you have this ageless, highly resourced, perfectly fit, I can run a marathon and do anything in the world I want and I don't need anything from anybody, ager. Hmm. Interesting. And I think that is very dangerous because we're putting forth this message that successful aging is up to you as an individual. And that it's about what you buy and how much labor you put into your appearance and all sorts of other things. And I think the reality is for most of us, and I put myself squarely in this place, is that the reality of aging is in between those two poles, right? Yes. That there's lots of wonderful things about it. But there's also things that you're not saying like, okay, come on in, I'm opening the door for you. Um, And so I think the danger of the idealized ager 
is that policymakers and innovators and designers are only going to to relate to the two extremes right. and that people in the middle right who are in that place where they're not millionaires but they're not poor they're not going to get what they need yeah and so i think we need to show and represent that person um who is sort of an ordinary person and when i started accidental icon i positioned myself as an ordinary woman who had an interesting life huh. and so i think we have to show those ordinary older people who are having interesting lives but are not lying right about right. the challenges that do come with age exactly exactly yeah um any points you would like to highlight in your book? I know, you know, we don't have so much time, but um, yeah, maybe a couple of stories or some highlights. Well, I think in the beginning part of the book that I'm talking um, much more about sort of my relationship with clothes and how I used them to sort of construct this identity and this persona or my alter ego, as I like to call her, the accidental icon, mm -hmm. and that um, in the early years of doing it, it was really a pleasurable and creative sort of um, experience, and it was really when I was blogging, and I think when I made the transition to Instagram and influencing is when it began to sort of go downhill for me. In what way? And so, Well, I think, number one, I totally did lose control of the story that I wanted to tell, which for me was not about aging. It really, I, I never talked about age mm -hmm. in the beginning of my blog. It was, I am a woman, I am having an adventure, I love to talk about clothes, and I'm learning about fashion, and I'm sharing that with you. And that's why I think I had most of my followers were young people uh, in those years. Okay. And, and so I think over time, you know, you get positioned, right? Mm -hmm. And in my early, early press, they talked about me as, this is an interesting woman, she reinvented herself, et cetera. But then over time when the press mentioned me, it was in the context of being a Instagramma oh, or on. senior influencer. <laughs> and, and I am like a very rebellious person, and I'm like, I'm not playing this game. And that is the second part of my book, all the things that led me to like walk away yeah. from, from this life that had sort of spun out of control. And a lot of it was because of the impact social media had on me. Yeah. And that in this sort of rushing, scrolling, 24-hour-a-day digital world, I kind of lost myself and my capacity to be reflective. And so yeah. I think I came to that point right before the pandemic. I was pretty miserable and then the pandemic stopped everything mm -hmm. and gave me the time to think 
yes. and sort of pivot once again. That's fantastic. And so, yeah. yeah, I want people to know that mistakes, and that's I have a whole chapter on it, mistakes are just as important in moving you forward in your next reinvention as mm-hmm. are the successes. Yes. And so so my 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 current reinvention as a writer really came from some of the mistakes I made at the end years of doing accidental icon and but yet now have become sort of metabolized and are part of who I am today and where I see myself going. You know what, Lynn? So, uh, excuse the, me. The, I don't see it as a mistake. I see it as just a uh, stepping stone onto something bigger and better or more insightful for you. So I think, you know, I'm someone who likes to take responsibility, mm-hmm. um, not in a way to torture myself. I, I feel good when I take responsibility. And, you know, as a professor and a social worker, I understand that certain people in the world are perceived as having power mm-hmm. and actually do have power. Sure. And they like to deny it. And yeah. so for me, I began to understand that as someone on social media with this really huge platform, that I did have power. And that in the, you know, one of the things that began to happen was I started to hear from older women who were saying, you know what, your way of being old is not my way, and my way is not fun. I am caregiving. I am having to work until I'm 80. I, you know, am having trouble finding an affordable place to live. We are not all like you. And because I had power, if I was just an individual wearing my clothes in the world and having fun, Mm -hmm. that would be one thing. But... Because of my standing, right, where I had been placed, I did have power. And women wrote to me and said, oh, I wish I could be you, but but I'm I'm overweight, Mm -hmm. you know. And my intention never was to make women feel bad and not that, you know, I'm, you know, I can't control how someone's going to feel or react, but I can analyze my power. Yes. And I can analyze... Um, how my power became an instrument that was hurtful to to others. And so, again, it, I don't think it's a mistake, maybe a misstep, a miscalculation, uh, maybe a bit of grandiosity, thinking I could remain in control once I was out there on the Internet. But I didn't want to be that person anymore. Sure, sure. But, Lynn, this is also, in what I've seen, especially for um, Gen Z, this is the beast that social media is. Yes. It can yes. be wonderful, and then it can just bite you. It, and, it, and it can just make you rethink, wait, I, I wasn't trying to be that person, but now people see me as that. And then you just want to, you know, just retreat, and, right, and, and rethink. And it sounds like that's what you did. Yes, and you know, I've been in conversation with a lot of young influencers who have quit. Mm -hmm. We call ourselves reformed influencers (laughs) because of the the terrible mental health issues 
the stress and the depression and, you know, all of the things that it caused them to feel. And, and they're quitting, too. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, now this whole influencer culture is really being challenged and questioned. And, you know, there was just a, a mind-blowing, horrifying article in the Times about young girls and uh, pedophiles and, and sexual abusers, like, using Instagram as sort of a, a new market for images of young girls that are in these accounts being mm. run by their parents. And it wow. was absolutely horrifying. Um, everybody knows about it, mm -hmm. but nobody is doing anything. So, yeah, it's, there are, you know, initially for me, it was so democratic mm -hmm. because it allowed me to be in a world of fashion that the gate had been closed. And, and sort of all the early social media bloggers, fashion people kind of crashed that gate down. Yes. And so, so in those early days, yes, it was so empowering. It was so transgressive. But once you enter that beast of social media, right. you have no longer have control. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't know where it's going to take you. You're not in control. A yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, I thought for sure I could keep control, but, you know, so part of my book is a cautionary tale about social media. That's good. You know, the, we need the that. beginning shows how it could be used for positive things. Mm -hmm. and, and I've tried to use it more recently um, in what I post and what I talk about as a way to get back to those early times, mm -hmm. but I'm finding uh, I get much more pleasure from my, my sub stack where I'm writing and I have a great community of people who comment and it feels much more like being back into my blog, um, which was a lot of fun. That's great. That's amazing. Well, we have to wrap up. But first of all, congratulations, because I know your book is coming out. Is, is this the 12th? Is that when it's coming out? Yes, yes, yes. And it's available wherever books are sold? Yes. I put all your information on the show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, and I would love to meet you in person sometime. Same here. It's been a great conversation. Well, thank you so much for calling in. This was wonderful. Thank you. Be well. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lynn. I've been in conversation with Lynn Slater about her upcoming book, which is coming out March 12th, How to Be Old, Lessons in Living Boldly from the Accidental Icon. And she also has her Instagram handle, Accidental Icon. Lots of great lessons in this book. If you missed any part of this conversation, it will be up on the show blog within an hour after I wrap. And the show blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to find out about being guests, you can send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E -E at kuci.org. And if you're not familiar with our shows, we have public affairs shows, music shows, very eclectic mix. You can visit kuci.org. And we are on socials at kuci.fm. We're going to take a little break, and then we will be back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.